Hello, I'm Hannah McInnes, and I had the pleasure of attending the Closters Forum in June to interview some of its participants for a podcast series to discuss the complex issue of plastic pollution. The Closters Forum brings together thought leaders and decision makers in the Swiss Alps to inspire discussions and cultivate collaborations in order to tackle some of the world's most pressing environmental challenges. I'm Dr Penelope Lindicu and I'm head of the microplastic team at Plymouth Marine Laboratory in the United Kingdom. We've been looking at microplastics for the last 10 years with particular regard to the marine environment. So we're interested in where the microplastics come from, their source, where they're distributed, where they accumulate and the impact they have on a number of different marine organisms. Where do they come from? We're still not absolutely sure where the microplastics come from. We know that some of them um, are fibres that maybe come from washing machines and people washing their clothes and they come from the wastewater treatment works because they're small, too small to be removed. We know that some of the microplastics come from the fragmentation of larger litter because of their exposure to the sunlight and the wind and the waves, they break down into smaller bits. We're becoming more aware of other plastic types, like tyre particles, that can be dispersed by air off of bridges and busy roads, and again get washed down storm drains into our rivers. And are microplastics the worst of the culprit when it comes to plastics and the oceans? Certainly macroplastics, the large plastics, um, have a huge impact in the ocean. And I think people are aware of the problems that those large plastics can cause um, to large marine organisms. We have seen a lot of emotive pictures of seals being caught in discarded fishing gear or turtles eating plastic bags because they've mistaken them for jellyfish. But I think because the microplastics are so small, we don't readily see them. But as a scientist, we're really interested in the impact that these small plastics have. My background is very much on zooplankton. So these are the tiny mini beasts of the ocean. They feed on phytoplankton, which are really important. They absorb about half of the carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. They pass this energy on to the zooplankton which then pass it on to higher trophic levels. So commercially important fish, fish larvae, whales and seabirds as well. So we don't really know the impact of the microplastics. We're only just beginning to scratch the surface. But every organism that we've looked at, or every species of organism, not every individual, has contained microplastics. And we've looked in things like the zooplankton, up until turtles, where we found microplastics in all seven species of turtles from the three oceanic basins. Do those microplastics then end up harming humans and human health? Is that where the problem really lies? They get ingested and then they end up back in our food chain. I think that the impact of microplastics on human health through that marine food web is actually minimal. A lot of uh, the marine organisms ingest that plastic, but they're also likely to ingest it. And I think a lot of the problems with microplastic is not the plastic itself, but is all the chemicals that are within that plastic, like the plasticizers, the flame retardants, the phthalates, which can be really nasty. So I think rather than worrying about eating fish that have eaten microplastics, basically we don't eat the gut of those fish unless they're very small or they're shellfish. 
So I would be more worried about the food packaging that that um, produce that we eat is uh, migrating the chemicals from the plastic into the food. I think the problem with the microplastics in the ocean is actually the impact it's going to have on the marine ecosystem itself. So while that might not affect us directly by consuming contaminated food, the marine ecosystem provides us with a number of benefits, something that we call ecosystem services. So their ability to draw down carbon dioxide from their atmosphere, they give us a lot of oxygen that we breathe. They provide the fishes that we eat. They're good for carbon sequestration, not just um, for our, our well-being, but it's for tourism as well. So I, I think it's not the risk to us through that food web, but the actual risk to the marine environment. We know from laboratory-based studies that if the zooplankton ingests microplastics, then that means they ingest less of their natural food. So they, they don't eat enough. They're more likely to die. They're more likely to be less reproductive. They still produce eggs, but those eggs are smaller and they're less likely to hatch. And without that critical part of the marine food web, we're going to impact on everything. Impact on the phytoplankton, which draw down the carbon and produce the oxygen, and impact on the other level of that food web, on the fish, on the whales, on the seabirds. I know there are many, but when you sit down with someone and have a conversation about the solutions and you want to get the message across and you're at a drinks party, you don't have yeah. all the time in the world, just like we don't have all the time now, what are the critical solutions to a, what sounds like a really critical problem? Certainly. And I think if we use the precautionary principle, we know enough about the impact of plastic that we need to stop it entering the ocean. We need to use less, uh, we need to reduce it and we need to deal with it at its end of life much better. But also our science can help guide those solutions. If we look at the overflowing bath as an analogy, if we manage to turn off the tap, which is what we really need to do, stop that input of plastic, there is still millions of tonnes of plastic in the ocean which uh, are going to cause a problem and I think our science can help guide some of those solutions. What we don't want to do is produce alternative products where the solution is actually just as bad as perhaps the plastic itself or a solution that could have um, accidental consequences. But at Plymouth Marine Laboratory, we've just received funding um, from Waitrose to look at ecological solutions. And one of those is to use a bivalve, a mussel, which is a natural filterer of the water. It removes a lot of contaminants from the water and it also removes microplastics. Now, it's also quite a robust organism and it tends to not be impacted by that microplastic that is ingested as much as some of the more sensitive um, organisms. So we're looking at whether we could use sacrificial ecological reefs to try and rejuvenate areas that have a lot of microplastic in them or to try and stop them flooding from the source of the microplastics into the more sensitive areas of our sea. And what those mussels do is they ingest the microplastics. Sometimes they spit it out as pseudofeces. And a lot of the time it's just digested. 
But because that um, muscle bed or ropes of muscle changes the hydrodynamics, a lot of that microplastic which is spit out or ingested actually stays very local to that. So we're also then looking at solutions where we could use a, a surface to air pump to remove the microplastics and the organic material and use that as a biofuel. Do you think within the timeframes that we're told you feel optimistic that we can make real change? I do feel optimistic. I think people are very engaged in the problem of plastic pollution and I do feel it's not too late. At the rate we're going, um, if we continue not to deal with end-of-life plastic, I believe we will have a problem. But if we try and deal with our waste better, find alternatives and look into solutions that can help clear up the plastic which is in the ocean already, I really do believe we can make things better. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.